be all right. My name's Paul, I've got autism, and I make random videos based on my version of autism. Stick them on YouTube just in case anyone wants to watch them. Um, right, I've just got to get this out of the way. I've made a buy me a coffee link. And if you don't know what that is, fine, don't worry about it. Um, but the reason I've done it is to basically pacify something which is causing a problem. So people will send emails wanting to give me money. Crazy idea, I know, but some people do. The problem is, I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's fake. I don't know what to do with it. And when I've responded, when because some people will say nice things like, your videos have really helped. How can I help you? Or, or whatever it might say. I really love your music. Can I give you some money? <laughs> You know, um, you know, you need hair. Here's some money to go and get hair transplant in Turkey. They don't say that one. Um, but people want to give money. But like I say, I don't know if it's fake, don't know if it's real, don't know what to do with it. So to sort of bypass it because I've ended up in quite frosty email exchanges with these people, I've just made the link. So if anyone ever says, I want to give you some money, I'll just go, right, there's a link there, click it. Uh, because it'll just cut out the middle, man. It'll cut out all the frostiness. I hate confrontation anyway. I don't see the point. Life isn't TV. We don't need drama. Um, and I obviously didn't start the channel to start arguing with strangers on the internet. So I'm not expecting to get a penny out of anyone, and I'm never going to ask. But when those things come up, there we go. Because to be honest, for some reason, I'm getting lots of emails of things that I've never sort of got before. And another one would be, you get these companies emailing going, we found your channel. If you pay us £200 a year, we can quadruple your viewing rate and stuff like that. Get 5,000 likes on your videos. I'm not paying nobody a penny to do anything. I'm the one who films them. I'm the one who records them. I'm the one who edits them. I'm the one who puts them up. So why would I give someone some money to do nothing for me? It's barbaric, absolutely mental, not happening. So if you're any of them companies, not that you will be because you never watch the videos anyway, don't ever, ever, ever bother contacting me because this video is and always was for people who find it. There we go. You know, I don't need people following some sort of algorithm where they're looking to how to correctly cook an egg. And then the algorithm brings them to my channel because it sees my head and it thinks it's an egg. You know, I don't need those sorts of things happening. Just it's here if people want to watch it. And if they don't, all right, fine. Um, anyway, let's move on. Um, I went away with my friend. That was good. Uh, it was nice to see him. He told me two things that were interesting. <laughs> I'm sure he told me more, but two things that have stuck in my mind. Um, and one of them is that... We were together on September 11th when it happened, the actual event. Uh, we were in the arcade at Manchester Airport playing the games. And then someone in the arcade came over to us and told us about what was happening. And we all went to Terminal 1 Arrivals and watched the big screens to see what was going on. Um, and then obviously 20 years later, we were in a caravan in Scarborough <laughs> uh, talking about it. So that was interesting. Um, to you know, just to know that you were in that person's company on the day twenty years ago, it was quite interesting. 
for me, anyway. Um, and then I also learnt that doing videos is not everybody's idea of fun. Um, obviously, I enjoy doing it, but when I was setting up the microphones, the camera, the lights, everything, and it looked like I was about to interview Arnold Schwarzenegger or something, you know, the look on his face was like, what is all this? You know, and uh, we tried to do a video, but it was far too awkward because it's not his thing. And I would have needed to give him like a full rundown, go through what I want to talk about. <laughs> to be honest, it, we were only there for a couple of days and uh, drinking beer is also important. So uh, if it ever sees the light of day, it'll be very edited and it'll be a lot of me waffling about the event. Who knows? But um, But it was nice to see him. So Craig, if you ever watch, thanks for, uh, you know, putting up with me for a full weekend. I'll tell you what, though, we did see something really weird. We went down to the beach um, because I'm a city boy. I don't see the water often, and I absolutely adore the sea. Um, and every time I come back from the sea, I'm like, right, I am moving to the coast. And then you remember how problematic it is to move. So then you go, no, I'll just run the bath and watch that. Um, but there was a funeral down on the beach. And it was a really weird funeral. So what happened was we were making our way down because it was really this really steep hill. And we saw a load of hipsters. Um, you know, the type where they wear really ex they spend a lot of money to look homeless. And uh they had they had like a hospital bed, they had these weird benches. We didn't know what they were doing, but in the end, they've got down to the beach and they set up a funeral. But because they were a bit quirky. Uh, like there was these two people singing or one was singing and one was shouting at the person singing, which was a bit odd. And then the person conducting the service had a deer, a deer skull on the head. Like while they were, you know, shouting or chanting or whatever they were doing. So I've no idea what was actually going on. Um, but it was a funeral uh, with some dude with a deer, head, deer skull on his head. So, yeah, I mean, luckily, that sounds like I'm making it up, but thankfully there was someone else there who can vouch for me. Um, but he's not here right now, is he? <laughs> but honestly, that really happened. Um, maybe someone's watching who knows what sort of cult, you know, has a, a deer skull on the red funerals. Who knows? But anyway, uh, let's crack on. So, uh, <laughs> I want to talk about something which is very, very important and it's resilience. And obviously, I'm just a random guy waffling random nonsense. Don't take what I say to the bank. I don't think I know everything, but I do have experience. I do have life stories. I have been there and done that a lot of times. So I like to share and I like to give my point. Um, like I say, I'm not trying to turn the tide. I'm not trying to get you to change your mind or anything like that. I just want to talk to my friends. Um, so what happened was, I was on Instagram, which I know, my mistake, um, and usually I'll be looking at pictures of puppies, kittens, uh, and comics, but every now and again I follow a couple of people who are autistic, or claim to be autistic, and just see what they put up, to be honest, you know, I'm, I don't stay in tune with autism, I'm just a guy who's got it, and my mood depends on how I feel. So I like to see what the flavor of the month is, what's bothering people. Are people still using the word ableist? Um, you know, like with a crazy throwaway term that it is. 
And I found this guy. And basically, he was having a go, like a lot of people do in autism, at specialists. And I genuinely don't know anyone else on earth who defends specialists like I do. Because it's not their fault a lot of the time if someone comes away with a, a non-diagnosis of autism. You know, I've said before, some people can read far too much into it, convince themselves into autism, go and see an actual specialist and come away without a diagnosis. And then they go around bouncing around to all these different people to get a diagnosis and they never get one. And all they do is go mental saying, how can't they see that I'm autistic? So, you know, I don't want to upset the apple cart here, but have you actually stopped to think that maybe you're not autistic? Maybe it's something else, you know? So I was watching or reading this guy's thing and he was having a go at specialists saying that if they can't see people who walk through their door have autism, then they're ableists. That's all they are. They're ableists. And I hate that term with an absolute burning passion. I really do. And I'll tell you why. Obviously, I'm not just going to say random stuff and not back it up. But then when I was reading his, you know, you can do a bit of a write-up underneath the description or whatever it's called. Um, he was basically saying, like, Anthony Hopkins has got a diagnosis and how great of an actor he is. Um, these specialists have got a responsible job. They should be able to see through and diagnose. But it just got, it just got me thinking. So... The reason I don't like the word ableist or ableism is because it's a very throwaway term now. People just use it like that without any thought, without any process. It's just the very first thing that falls out of someone's mouth because a lot of people will use the word when they don't get what they want. And that's true. You can apply that to so many scenarios. And in a way, it's kind of like the autistic person's race card because you've seen it before. You might be watching a TV show about, you know, something that where they follow the police and a car, they could be stationary and a car could go screaming past them. So they start a chase and they're, you know, cutting through traffic, they're running up curbs, you know, they're driving across fields, all sorts. And then when they finally stop, the car that's full of tinted windows and they've never seen the driver or the passengers. You can only see the silhouettes. As the police officer approaches the front of the car, sometimes the first thing you hear is, you stopped me because of my skin colour. And they go mental about it. You only stopped me because of my skin colour. But the officer never saw the colour of the person. And bear in mind, I've not said the colour of the officer or the colour of the person driving. I'm being careful about that so I don't just get unwanted hate. You know, but the reality is it's because they were speeding and then didn't stop. That's why they were stopped. They could have had a broken tail light. They could have had a dead body hanging out the boot. I don't know. But the point is you can't just say it without any due course. No process is given. There's no explanation. There's no, right, let's start even. Let's hear the arguments. And then if there absolutely isn't one, then maybe you did stop me because of my skin colour. You know, but it, you can't just say it straight away when there's absolutely zero evidence. There's no, you don't even know why they've stopped you. You can't just say it and expect it to feel true. And it's the same in autism. You can't just get to a scenario where you go, 
that specialist didn't diagnose my autism. They're an ableist. They are an ableist. That's all they're doing. They're using their, their neurotypical manner to not see my diverse manner. Nope. Mm -mm. Let me give you a reason why maybe it's tricky for a specialist and why some of the fault might have to lie at our feet. So he mentioned Anthony Hopkins in the write-up. Is he a good actor? Yeah. Is he any better because he's got autism? Nope. I, you know, when I found out he was autistic, I didn't instantly then go, oh, I love that guy. He's the best actor in the world. I'd love to be an actor. But what roles am I going to get apart from playing a tough guy with this look? Or, I don't know, an ogre? Maybe I'd be, in a, I'd be good for a live version of Shrek. I don't know. Um, donkey. I won't get that job. So I am a good actor. You're probably a good actor as well. And the reason we're good actors, and this is my example, all right, is because we go out every day. We blend in a world that's not ours you know, to put ourselves in shoes that are not ours, to pretend we care about things that we don't, to pretend we're interested in things that we're not. We do them things anyway. And when you're first diagnosed with autism and you tell people you've known all your life that you're autistic, how many people does it floor? How many people does it amaze like, no way are you autistic? Oh my God. From a male perspective, from my age range perspective, I've never really had that. I've had people more likely go, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not autistic. Or they'll say things like, Everyone, everyone's autistic a bit. You know, they were generally the responses I got. Um, but again, you know, you might have the shock. But either way, you know, getting the shock is that's because how good you were at blending in. When you get people discounting it, Again, it's because of how good you were at acting and blending in. And some people like to think they're really smart and nothing can fool them. And then there, we, there was you all those years fooling someone. They feel a bit daft. They feel like they've been used, exploited. I can't be, I can't be treated like that. And you weren't doing it for that sort of reaction. You were doing it because you had to do it. It wasn't about you, narcissist. You know, but some people are like that. And they will take it personally. But if you can fool everyone that you've known forever, you can fool employee, employers, you can fool uh, people in relationships, you can fool parents, you can fool everyone. Then what makes you think if you keep your mask on and you act when you walk into a room for an autism diagnosis that they're going to go, Ah, yes, this is just an act. I will pierce through it. I don't know how they're meant to. I really don't, because this is why blame needs to lie at our feet. Because if you're going in to an autism assessment, what do you think it's for? I'm asking, what do you think it's for? It's for an autism diagnosis assessment of yes or no. 
And the more of an act you put on, the more of a defense you build, the more you pretend to be just like everybody else. Why should the specialist be able to see through that when you fooled everyone else forever? And you know yourself, if you practice something over and over again, you know, footballers, they practice that all day, every day. That's why they're better at football than I do when I don't even touch a football. You know, people who play music, musical instruments, and that's their job, and they play them all day, every day. That's why they're great, and I'm crap. If you practice something long enough, you're going to get great at it, whatever it is. Mass murderers. <laughs> So well, I'll ask you again, going into an assessment with your mask on, with your acting all tuned up, with your pretense and just giving simplistic answers, how is that going to help? It isn't. It really, really isn't. That is the time when you need to feel unprepared, when you need to feel like you have no idea what you're doing. You need to be able to just get in there feel exposed, feel like you've got no idea what's happening and what's going to go on. Because then the specialist will be able to see that person and they'll be like, are you all right? You look, you know, very out of sorts. Yeah, you know, you can sit down, you know, right. You know, you start giving one word answers and then they'll start prying them open and, you know, wondering why you're being so cagey and closed off and, trying to figure things out, but you've got more chance of leaving an autism assessment with the diagnosis that's accurate for you if you go in there and be honest. Putting the mask on and acting is not honest. So you cannot, people who have that mindset, you cannot blame the specialist because they couldn't see through your act responsibility is at your feet. It's the only time in the world that you shouldn't act, that you shouldn't put on a pretense. And yes, I understand that you're going to need a lot of recovery time after that. Trust me, I know. But that's the time that it's worth it. That's the time that it's for. So this is why I'm not a big fan of jumping on the bandwagon and always slagging off specialists and people, you know, the, the people who diagnose. I'm not that guy who will jump on and just start bashing them because, as I've said it before, you point a finger at someone, there's three more fingers pointing back at you because you need to take responsibility as well. And that's where it's about resilience. You know, don't blame people for things that are your fault. Maybe find the reason. You know, I, when I was younger, I didn't know I had autism. I got older, didn't know I had autism. Ended up in a really no-win situation and just went to figure out what on earth made me different. And I came away with an autism assessment, a diagnosis or whatever. You know, so I didn't have the internet. I didn't have, a like, in my day, <laughs> talking old, I didn't have dedicated schools for autism. I didn't have dedicated classrooms for autism. We didn't have, um, you know, a teacher or a, a teaching assistant to spend all day with you. There wasn't the resource you've got now of the internet. There wasn't the community groups that you get now. 
you know, there was absolutely nothing. So I had no choice but to build resilience if I wanted to make my way. You know, I've lost the jobs. I've had the fights. I've had the fallouts. I've been involved in a thousand, more than a thousand scenarios and situations. I don't understand and don't know why it went that way. But instead of moaning about it, I built the resilience through it. So if it happened again, it wouldn't affect me as much. You know, losing a job feels horrible, but I made sure that the next job I got, I tried harder to build the resilience so it wouldn't hurt or bother me as much. Relationships that failed, I made sure I didn't do those things again, which made me really horrible to be in a relationship with because I'm just so set in stone. You know, I started to build in, um, what's that word? Compromise. You know, whereas once I was not someone who compromised, did everything because the failures help you build the resilience. And it's advice I give to, you know, young parents with children with, you know, young children with autism is let them fall over. Stop catching them every single time. If they create a problem, let them fight it. Don't just storm in and wipe up their mess. If they spill a drink, let them clean it up. Because where else are they going to get resilience from? You're not going to be around forever. You have to give someone resilience. And I'm glad I went through the most horrible times. And yes, as parents and as people, we don't want the hard times, but I had no choice. I was given them. But I got the resilience through it. And I think today it's harder to have the resilience because you've got more resource available earlier diagnosis, more resource to help, more places to go. You've got YouTube, you've got the internet, you know. If you're watching me and you're kicking off now, it's because we've got a resource for it. But I didn't have it, so I had no choice. I either failed and I sank and I never got out of that or built the resilience and slowly but surely got back on the horse. And what the resilience does, and this is why it's important, is it gives you a broader spectrum to try to think of where the problem lies. It stops that quick shooting of just going, ableist. Because it isn't. It's not ableist for a specialist to misdiagnose. It's human for them to misdiagnose. Some people will go in and not get diagnosed. Some people will go in without autism, thanks to the resource that's available, and they will act that they've got autism and get a diagnosis because some people are very odd and like to have issues or ailments or conditions that they don't have, but they want them because it brings them attention. Look at what people do for attention these days. You know, those shows like Love Island and Get Married at First Sight. What's going on? You know, but resilience is important. You do need to fall. You do need to fail. You do need to accept defeat. You do need to know what it feels like to get knocked off. Because then you get the feeling of what it's like to get back on, to win, to succeed. You get to know the boundaries that shift. You get to know how it feels when it's crap and how good it feels when it's good. But if people wipe your backside for you, if you just try to blame everyone else, you're never going to get true feelings 
You're never going to get that achievement feeling and the failure feeling because to get the failure feeling, it has to be personal. But if you point the finger every time and like, like people do at specialists when they misdiagnose because you went in there and acted, you'll blame the specialist rather than blaming yourself for acting. And I understand why you'll want to act because you don't want to be vulnerable. But trust me, that's the place to be vulnerable because when all the dust has settled, it was more beneficial for you to be you than it was to be the person you think everybody needs you to be. And I'm probably not making any sense. I've probably upset a load of people, which obviously isn't the point. I'm just trying to say that for someone who's been on the other side of it, I know what it feels like to fail and it'd be my fault. And it's not nice. But that will give me the resilience to hopefully not feel that way again and correct my bad behavior, my poor choices, my bad decisions, so I can get back on that horse and feel different. Um, but we need to stop blaming specialists for not giving an autism diagnosis if you went in there like Anthony Hopkins could have the ability to do and act for them. They're not there for a theater performance. They're there to see if you've got autism. So go in there, let your guard down. And if they still wrongly diagnose, yes, that's going to feel absolutely crap. But people who bounce around to different people to try and get that diagnosis, if they go to them all and they keep acting, you're just going to keep hearing the same story. At least if you dropped your guard, went in there and was wrongly diagnosed and then went somewhere else, the percentage of the odds are just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger each time that you're going to get the correct diagnosis for who you are naturally. You know, in the end, we're all humans. We're all going to fail. We're all going to make mistakes. Just look at what goes on every day in the world. You know, I just, I like credit to go where it's due. And I also like blame to go where it's due. You know, like if I, if I was a footballer, and I had a penalty kick, and I kicked the ball, and it went over the crossbar, I could blame the fans for booing. I could blame the goalkeeper for moving around too much in the net, putting me off. I can blame the state of the pitch. I could blame my football boots. I could blame the weather. But ultimately, it is me kicking the ball if i miss it's my fault other things might have played a factor but it wasn't the reason i missed hopefully that's a good analogy hopefully and you know i did as i mentioned before i did me seven videos that i'd got 500 subscribers and i was over the moon with it you know a week later i had 550 couldn't believe it had gone up that quick. But after a video like this, where I'm basically telling some people they've got to pull the pants up and grow up and take some responsibility because it's much more beneficial in the long run if you do, pretty sure that won't go down well with everyone. And I'll lose some subscribers. So it's more analytics, isn't it? But anyway, I hope I made sense and I wasn't here to offend. You're allowed your own opinion. But I hope you also understood what I was saying as well. All right, so I'm going to go and get my tuna thins out the fridge because I'm hungry now. And I'm going to get a 
green coke. Until next time, thanks for watching and keep smiling.